2: The following podcast contains explicit language.
0: You know, she's got this goofy friend named Elizabeth Warren. She goes, and Donald Trump is a terrible person. She gets nothing done, nothing passed. She's got a big
1: mouth. That's the best you could come up with. Calling on Donald Trump for help is like if your house is on fire, calling an arsonist. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast, the show about the man who reads the Bible more than anyone else: Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. So here are some social media stats. At real Donald Trump, Donald Trump's Twitter account has 10.95 million Twitter followers. As of this morning, he had sent 32,927 tweets. You can round that up to 33,000. Here's one I like from 2013. Sorry, losers and haters. But my IQ is one of the highest, and you all know it. Please don't feel so stupid or insecure. It's not your fault. If you've been listening to this show, you've heard a lot of other tweets, and we'll have the latest for you in a second. Donald Trump is the first candidate to run for president on social media and to see it as a substitute for conventional advertising and a political ground game. So, how did this get started? I was having dinner with a friend of mine recently, and he told me he knew a guy who actually got Trump started on social media in 2009. I tracked that guy down. His name is Peter Costanzo, and he's here in our Brooklyn studio with me. I'll be back with that interview about Trump's tweets right after we do the tweets.
0: Ratings challenged CNN reports so seriously that I called President Obama and Clinton the founder of ISIS and the MVP. They don't get sarcasm. I love watching these poor pathetic people, pundits, on television working so hard and so seriously to try and figure me out. They can't. I have always been the same person. Remain true to myself. The media wants me to change, but it would be very dishonest to my supporters to do so. Stay on message is the chant. I always do. Trade, jobs, military, vets, Second Amendment, repeal Obamacare, borders, etc. But media misrepresents. Certain Republicans who have lost to me would rather save face by fighting me than see the U.S. Supreme Court get proper appointments. Sad.
1: My guest today is Peter Costanzo. He's a digital and archival publishing manager at the AP, more famous as the man who got Donald Trump on Twitter. Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks Jacob, it's great to be here. So, I just want you to tell the story how this happened. You were working for a publishing firm that put out one of Trump's books. What is this about 6 or 7 years ago? Yeah, this was back
2: in 2009. I was working for a company called Perseus Books Group for their division Vanguard Press, which put out a book called Think Like a Champion. And um we had several meetings with the Trump team at Trump Tower, and eventually um, in our discussions about what's a new groundbreaking way we could introduce Mr. Trump to the world, this was around the time when Facebook was really coming into its own from a marketing standpoint. Publishers were starting to use it, and uh, and Twitter just kind of started to get the attention that um, it probably deserved. So I proposed to the team Uh, Mr. Trump's team that he needs to get on social media and I alerted them that there was actually already someone on both Facebook and Twitter impersonating him. And doing it quite well.
1: <laughs> Hang on a second. Even you call him Mr. Trump. Seems like even his own family calls him Mr. Trump. Why does everybody call him Mr. Trump? <laughs> you
2: know, it's kind of funny you picked up on that. You kind of get trained during those meetings uh, to refer to him as Mr. Trump. Because everyone else does it. Everyone, everyone else does Trump, Mr. Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Whether he's in the room or not. I've even noticed people uh, of real stature refer to him like that
1: as well. It just it just kind of happens. And, and so you had to go convince him personally that he should get on. And you told them what, look, there's this fake Donald Trump impersonating you.
2: Right. So what happened was when I alerted them of that, I explained to them that uh, we had an opportunity to, to make a change because I had a connection at Facebook who I knew could help with that. Uh, but with Twitter, this was before anyone realized like who was even really running Twitter? How do you get a hold of anyone? His lawyers were trying to contact people unsuccessfully. And our book was imminently coming out. And so I thought, well, we don't want to miss this opportunity. So we took care of the Facebook issue. We got all the 200,000 people that were following the fake guy transferred to the you know, the, the real Donald Trump. But when it came to Twitter, we just said, listen, while we're trying to handle that, let's start a new Twitter account and let's figure out a way to distinguish you so we know it's you. And so um, I told the team that in order for this to work, He had to be involved. You have to have a level of authenticity when you do social media. So they said, well, if you think he has to be involved, then you're going to have to tell him that yourself. And so they set up a a seven-minute meeting.
1: (laughs) It was like seven minutes on the calendar, starting starting at at (laughs) 9.53.
2: Exactly. I was told you have seven minutes to meet with Mr. Trump. And we we gathered in the same conference room that you see on The Apprentice when he fires people. (laughs) And uh, so, you know, that's a little intimidating in itself. And, uh, you know, he came in, uh, you know, the Donald Trump you expect, uh, you know, that look on his face, very serious, kind of like, okay, impress me, you know, kind of look that he gives. And uh, I explained to him everything uh, uh, that I thought would be important for him to be on social media. And he listened very intently. So when I told him about the issue with Twitter, he said, well, what do you think we should do? And I said, well, I said, one solution is let's call you real Donald Trump. This way people will know you're the real deal. We'll start tweeting. People will know it's coming from either the organization or you. And, you know, we'll turn it around. Within, you know, less than a minute, he thought about it. He looked at the team. He said, what do you guys think? Everyone liked it. He said, "Okay, let's do it.
1: So a lot of people use the phrase created a monster. But you really (laughs) like you and Dr. Frankenstein really created a monster when you put Donald Trump on Twitter. Well,
2: look, um, you know, back then, like I said, he was the – Star of The Apprentice and, of course, the billionaire that we knew him to be, quite a personality. Uh, It was a great opportunity for me to work with somebody so high profile like that. I've worked with a lot of famous people over the years uh, throughout my marketing career and even back in the days when I used to work for an independent bookstore um, as a publicist. And, you know, I was using it as a vehicle to promote a book. Back then there was nothing political about it. The tweets were quite benign, really they were they were inspirational quotes. We'd say things like, you know wishing veterans happy veterans day and or watch Donald Trump on Letterman doing the top ten list. It was things like that initially,
1: so when did he turn into the donald Trump? We are parodying on this show by reading these amazing (laughs) tweets out loud. But, you know, as you say, he was starting with inspirational quotes. Yeah. I mean, you know, they were supposed to be motivational business type quotes like
2: you can be a champion, too, in business and in life if you have this philosophy. But, you know, the thing is, uh, there were a few tweets that came from him. And even then, though, I'm the one who posted them. So if it was something personal, that absolutely went across his desk. His eyes read it before it went out there. Um, You know, they're they're very smart when it comes to brand, right? He's a brand. And so they were protecting the brand if there was anything personal. And anything else I wrote also had to be run by the team. I didn't just – tweet you know, without somebody looking at it first.
1: So now there seem to be two Donald Trumps on Twitter. Yeah. There's this Donald Trump that comes from an iPhone that <laughs> is, you know, thank you Altoona, Pennsylvania for the wonderful reception today, i.e. it's his campaign. And then there's the, the Donald Trump, real Donald Trump from the Android phone which seems to him saying Freedom of the press doesn't mean the New York Times can make up lies about me.
2: Right, right. Yeah. I know you guys did an article, or, or you you cited an article that compared, you know, somebody who did that analysis, and you know, and that's interesting stuff. But you know, I kind of find it amusing that people focus on that because I mean, so many famous people have other people tweeting for them completely or partially just because you want to keep that that drum beating and it's pretty impossible for someone who's got the kind of schedule that you imagine Donald Trump has to be tweeting constantly himself. So,
1: I mean, that's... What's interesting is just that you can see the distinction and that you can hear his real voice in some of the tweets and you can identify which ones he writes himself, apparently without the kind of vetting that you went through when you wrote tweets for him.
2: Right. My understanding now is that he eventually became comfortable tweeting himself and does it quite often. Uh, People say he does it late at night or in the early morning. And Um, And sometimes, you know, as we know, he's gotten himself into a little bit of trouble either retweeting something that he didn't Fully understand where the original source came from, you know things like that. So I'm sure you know that maybe drives his social media people a little crazy. But uh, you know you have to manage that. I mean, when I was running his Facebook account, as you can uh, imagine, there were people posting all kinds of comments that um, you know we had to make decisions. Like, is this something that we should actually delete because it was not just obnoxious; it was uh, you know with filled with obscenities or something like that. And if there was a legitimate beef and people had a lot to say even back then, this is way before he ever became a political figure. We wanted to keep it as free and flowing as possible because it is supposed to be a conversation. But at the same time, it's not really a full democracy. It's your, your Facebook page. And if people say something offensive, you know, you can do something about it.
1: I mean, one thing a lot of people have observed about social media, and I think Twitter in particular, is it really rewards authenticity. So somebody who has no filter, there are advantages and disadvantages to having no filter. But if people feel that real unfiltered person on Twitter, you're an effective presence because people feel like it's the real you.
2: Right. I mean, look, even recently when he tweeted that photo of himself eating Kentucky Fried Chicken and he's eating it with a fork and a knife, right? <laughs> and he's on his jet, right? And people say, oh, you know, some people look at that and say, well, you know, how authentic is that to eat Kentucky Fried Chicken while you're on a jet with a fork and knife? But the thing it is, is to him. that is, yeah. that's him, right? So honestly, say he was somewhere else eating greasy chicken with his hands and what well, then you'd look at that and say, well, now he's pandering to, you know what I mean? You can't win. So I think for his fans, he's saying, look, this is, this is me. This is how I eat. I, I like Kentucky Fried Chicken. And this is the way I eat it. And people accept that because they believe it's really him. It's not staged. It's really him. And, and I think that's true. That was my experience working with him and his team. Uh, what you see on television, my experience, my exposure to him was he was exactly the same way.
1: Having gotten him on and given him this good advice at the outset, what advice would you give him now about cultivating or using this social media presence he has?
2: You know, my advice to Donald Trump, if he's not doing it already, and I don't believe he is, is I I think that uh, Snapchat would be a really interesting avenue for him now, using the stories side of Snapchat, Uh, basically having his folks follow him all day, because people are absolutely fascinated with every single thing he does, which we know. I don't care if it's sitting on his plane eating uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken or whatever it might be, and I would literally be just uh, capturing him all day with video and photos and just letting that be posted. People could go on there and they could see what he's doing almost at any given time, I think it would be a very powerful way to, uh, to reach a lot of people and they'd have a better understanding of what his daily routine is like.
1: And having it disappear after 24 hours or whatever it is (laughs) wouldn't be such a bad thing for him either.
2: (laughs) I suppose uh, that there could be some positives to that.
1: (laughs) And Peter, I got to ask you, having launched this, you know, he has 11 million followers on Twitter. I don't even know how many on on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard anything from Trump? Did he ever say, uh, Peter, you know, this is the first presidential campaign to take place on social media. (laughs) You got me started. Thanks, buddy. (laughs) No, no, never
2: heard from him directly. I mean, I've had some contact with his team over the years. Uh, and, you know, and they, they've always acknowledged like, oh, Peter, it's great to hear from you. You know, it's so amazing, you know, what you started way back when. You know, one of the things that I had mentioned uh, during another interview was it, they were pleased with the way it went. And I got beyond that seven minutes and convinced him to allow me to interview him for a YouTube promotional video. And we sat down for about an hour and, and you know, it was strictly about the book to promote the book. And uh, again, you know, he was uh, super professional, very nice. But oddly enough, at the very end when, you know, the cameras were off, because I suppose if the cameras were still on and that clip was somewhere, maybe it would have emerged. You know, he and I had a little conversation about the new President Obama and everything. And he said to me, yeah, I mean, he seems like a good guy. I don't know. Uh, I just hope he can fix the economy. And, you know, if he doesn't, uh, I'm thinking of running for president. And I thought, oh, okay, you yeah, know, file that away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, didn't think much. You of didn't that. take
1: it seriously. Well, I mean,
2: you know, you know, I just said, oh, okay. But sure enough, his team at the time actually did confirm that he was giving it serious thought. So it's interesting to see it all just kind of, you know, happen over the years and see the social media aspect of his efforts just build and build and build into, as you said, <laughs> the the monster it's become. And you can look at that monster in a positive way or
1: negative, depending on your position. Well, Peter, I think. Listeners would join me in telling you, it's not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like I said, I take full
2: responsibility for getting him on, but uh – I don't mind being a little footnote potentially in a political history in helping that because, uh, you know, no matter what, this has been one of the most interesting election years I think we've ever had. And uh, whether you agree with uh, what Donald Trump says or not, I think he's certainly added a dimension to this political uh, uh, arena that we have not seen in a very long time.
1: Peter, thanks for joining me on the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: That's it for today's show. Trumpcast was produced by Jason DeLeon. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcast. Andy Bowers is our chief content officer. John Domenico is our voice of Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast.
0: I am not only fighting crooked Hillary, I am fighting the dishonest and corrupt media and her government protection process. People get it.